everyone, it's Alan Stimmel, and you're listening to another DevOps Chat. We've got a great DevOps Chat lined up for you today. Happy to be joined by Yossi Taguri. Yossi, welcome to DevOps Chat. Thank you for having me, Alan. A pleasure. So, Yossi, talk to me a little bit about, well, I'm sure our audience, not everyone is familiar with you. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background and your company and, and how you came here today? Cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm Yossi Taguri. I'm 45, uh, born and raised in uh, Israel. Um, I've been doing um, software since the age of 11 when uh, computers had 8-bit and 64K of memory. Um, um, I've done a few companies in my past startups. Some were successful, some were less. Uh, and in the past two years, I've, I've spent all my energy into a new company called Missing Link AI, where we started as an EIR, an Apreneur Residence, in Samsung Next. And uh, as of six months ago, uh, we joined Samsung Next as uh, an internal uh, product. So you'll see not everybody's familiar with Samsung X. Can you give a, just a quick background on what that is? Yeah, Samsung Next is a subsidiary of Samsung. Um, where uh, inside of it, there's an organization called Next Product, uh, where mm-hmm. we create uh, amazing SaaS uh, solutions uh, for the world. One of them is uh, Missing Link AI, where we're focusing on uh, a deep learning platform uh, for the masses. Um, I've, I've started this company because in my previous company, I got to do a lot of deep learning. As you probably know, deep learning and AI is a pretty popular um, uh, thing now. Almost every company, uh, if they're not doing AI now, they will get into it in the next couple of years. And as a startup back then, we had to solve a very hard problem. And that problem was, can I predict... 30 minutes into the future of a phone call, can I predict the outcome of that phone call? And as you can imagine, that's a very abstract problem to solve and very interesting one, by the way, because if you can do that, you can do a lot of things, right? You can um, uh, take uh, uh, phone calls, close phone calls early on if they don't work or uh, advise the agent to change it, uh, its uh, script and basically signal to the agent that something is going wrong or something is going very well. Um, and while trying to solve it as engineers, we were faced with, uh, with a few challenges. How do you even approach this kind of a problem? And uh, we stumbled upon deep learning and AI, and it really took us by storm. Uh, it was the first time that we saw a machine that is capable of learning from data and not from code, right? As engineers, we're used to write, take a big problem, break it down into smaller problems and write code to solve each smaller problem. And with AI, you basically gather a lot of data and you feed that data into this neural network and that neural network is able to predict uh, what is the outcome based on what it learned so far, which is a new concept, I think, for, uh, for engineers and for everybody. Um, so we got into it and we noticed that it's really hard running or moving as fast as you're used to with software development, right? You know, uh, this podcast is about DevOps, so you probably know DevOps is all about scaling your efforts, right? From mm-hmm. uh, development, testing, 
putting things in production at scale, monitoring everything. This basically has driven a new culture of lazy developers, right? Where you want to write something, you want to commit it, then some kind of a build server takes it on, tests it at scale, and pushes it into production in a way that is able to uh, free your mind from dealing for manual things. And when we came to this deep learning thing, we noticed that we basically you know, traveled back in time 30 years. Uh, and it was uh, mostly command line tools, lots of passing logs, a lot of provisioning of, of machines. And we noticed that it's nothing like we're used to from software development. And what triggered this company is, we, you know, we said that doesn't make sense. As engineers, we want to move really, really fast. We want to use the same practices that we learned for the past 30 years, and we want to scale what we are doing, right? It's really easy to run an AI experiment on your machine, but it's really hard when you have a team and you want to scale it to hundreds, uh, which is, by the way, very easy to do with, with software development, right? Shipping yep. software to 10 servers or 100 servers is exactly the same effort. So we want to do the same for deep learning. So what I did is I basically, as an entrepreneur, I went to other companies and I said, this is what I managed to do in, in my past six months. Uh, what did I do wrong? Maybe there are tools I don't know. Maybe there's some, some platform that can help me automate my day-to-day. And it turns out that we didn't miss anything. There was simply nothing out there that could help us scale our efforts. So we set out to um, uh, solve that problem. Excellent. So, you know, you know see, what, I, what I find fascinating is everyone talks about AI today. You, you know that. I'm sure you're running into it. You're, you mentioned earlier you're up in Montreal at a very large, uh, one of probably the largest conference on, on uh, AI and, and so forth. But we don't, you know, there's a point where rubber meets the road, and it's one thing to do a science project or a science experiment, and it's another thing to do something that's commercially viable at, at scale. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and I think a lot of what we're seeing in AI right now are science experiments, science projects. Well, yeah, it's definitely true. What we're, you know, one of the biggest differences between what we're used to, you know, from seeing companies um, uh, from uh, in the past 10 years, startups, that um, uh, find an interesting problem to solve uh, and start to work on it and basically write a lot of code, we do see companies saying, uh, well, code would not be enough. We need data in order to solve hard problems. And I'll give you one example. We have a customer called AI Doc, who's basically in the field of radiology. They're able to scan CT scans and um, uh, alert the doctor that is looking at it uh, to specific parts of the scan uh, and tell him, you know, in five years from now, that pixel is going to be uh, a tumor. It's going to be cancer. You should take note of that, right? And the only way that they're able to do that is by looking at gigantic amount of data, like previous scans, where they have um, uh, doctors look at it and label it. And now they need to take care of all that data. And uh, you're right, they are managing, uh, it, it's a bit of uh, research and it's a bit like you, you would say uh, a scientific uh, um, research 
but some of those companies already have FDA approval, right? So it's way beyond just a scientific experiment. AIDOC was uh, one of the first to get FDA approval, and it's amazing. You also have companies like Zebra Medical coming from Israel that are doing amazing things in radiology. And, and I think this is not an experiment anymore. It's becoming a reality. We do mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. You know, I, I, so let's talk about that. You know, see, I, I, you know, it is a reality. You have real organizations who are, who are uh, using the missing link, uh, uh, you know, to product or service. Platform. Platform. Yeah. Everybody wants to be a platform today. What can I tell you? But um, we, talk to me the kinds of organizations that uh, are you working with with Missing Link. If you can name names, great. If you can't, yeah, yeah. The- Absolutely. Uh, we were very proud to have uh, some of them. Obviously, I cannot speak about uh, all of them. Some of them are very, very big. But I'll just mention, mention a few uh, one of them, as I said, is AI Doc, and I think it's very exciting to see the kind of things they're working on. Um, I, I truly believe that we would live longer, not just because of better medicine, but because of early detection. And they are certainly going to be a big part of it. They are now deploying their, their product in several hospitals around the world. And basically, every uh, radiologist is going to have real-time advice from, you could say, uh, in quotes, the best doctor available uh, that has, you know, millions of data points to learn from. Uh, This is one. This is AI Doc. The second one is a very interesting company called Nanit. It's an Israeli company that does both hardware and software. They uh, develop a very smart baby monitor solution where you install it on the crib and it monitors your, your baby uh, whenever it's uh, sleeping or during the day. And some of the insights that they're able to tell parents is, let's say that the baby woke up in the middle of the night and is crying. So they're able to give the insight to the parent and saying, you know what? You do not have to go and attend the baby. He's going to go to sleep in less than two minutes, right? Wow. Or your baby is in distress, uh, please, you know, uh, please, you know, attend to him. And this kind of thing, you know, as parents, I have four kids. I'm, I'm freaked out about uh, security and privacy. They needed a way to be able to build those machines and still uh, keep the privacy and security of their customers, right? Uh, and some of, the, some of the challenges that we see with, with companies today that security and privacy is on a different level that we've uh, um, uh, used to know from software development. That data that they have is their main IP. It's not just code anymore. Actually, code is only a, short, a small part of it. But data on a massive scale cannot leave the premise of the customer. This is something that it's very, very important. Now think about having millions of CD scans and millions of minutes of videos. That is a massive storage that you need to take care of. How do you do that? Well, we're not used to that scale when it comes to developing software. So there needs to be a new kind of tools that really allows you as a data scientist, as an engineer, being able to manage petabyte scales of data. But now that petabyte scale is not just the, the, 
uh, in, uh, at Google and at Facebook and at Amazon where they're huge and they have collected a lot of data. But every small startup now has to deal with petabyte scale of data and its privacy and its security. And this is a new level of challenges that we see small and medium and, and certainly big companies have to deal with. Agreed. Agreed. You know, and, and this is certainly in the DevOps space, right? Yeah. You'll see, one used to say, oh, this DevOps is great if you're a unicorn, if you're a Google or a yeah. Facebook or a Twitter. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same argument. That same computing at scale, that same pace of development. I don't care whether you're a unicorn in Silicon Valley or you're a manufacturing company in, in Detroit or you know somewhere in Europe or Asia. Everyone wants to go faster. Everyone wants to do more. Everyone wants to have better quality. I, I think those are kind of universal business objectives. Yeah. And, and it's the technologies like AI, right, that are going to, going to enable not just the unicorns, but, yeah. the, you know, Gene Kim calls them the horses, the ones yeah. without the horns, to, to achieve those goals. Now, you know, DevOps is far from, you know, it's more mature than it was when I first started DevOps.com, but it still has a long way to go. I think we're just starting to scratch the surface with things like AI and, and how it can help in these processes. And certainly your company is, is um, kind of leading the way here, right? You, you, you yeah, we, we started very early on because we noticed that, you know, as engineers, the, futures is, the future is that engineers are going to do a lot of AI uh, because the world does not produce enough data scientists and, um, and you can see that today, right? Companies are struggling to recruit new data scientists, uh, much like it was very hard recruiting DevOps three years ago. It's still hard. It's a bit better, I would say. Uh, more people are familiar with the practices. More people care about automating uh, their workflow and sleeping better at night. And, and certainly AI is bringing a lot of productivity into the mix, right? With for instance, you know, um, uh, AI Doc was able to reduce the turnaround for radiology report by 60%, which means wow. that doctors can scan and take care of more patients in less time, right? We're used to waiting like weeks uh, for a meet with the doctor, and now if it's 60% faster, it's actually we're able to do much more. Uh, and um, same goes with, with DevOps for deep learning. We called it DeepOps, uh, deep learning operations, because of the set of new challenges that we have to take care of. And I'll give you just one, right? Uh, uh, because we're dealing with a lot of data, one of the challenges is how do you stream data in a large quantity in a reliable way between many, many machines? Even let's say that you have lots of data on S3 and you need to bring that data to a certain machine so you can build an AI model. If you have a terabyte of data, that could take hours, right? Even if, yep. you're, if you're even on the same zone on, on AWS, it's still going to take you hours. 
And one of the issues is that reading directly from the bucket is not performance efficient because the network is much slower than the local disk. So you find that, that people are writing a lot of scripts, manual scripts to understand which file they need to copy from the uh, S3 to the local machine and what happens with, if the machine crashes and Amazon takes your spot instance, you have to do it again and again and again. And you find that data scientists, the most expensive team members in AI, are doing between 40 and 50% of the time, they're doing DevOps work. Now, those are very rare people, and we ask them to do system administration and scripting. And I'm, not, I'm sure, I'm actually seeing it in the field, that that's not the best use of their time. And uh, these are not the kind of challenges that we used to before. So DevOps people also have to adapt and, find, and learn how to uh, cope with those new challenges. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to, uh, uh, you know, tear down the silos of saying um, um, uh, you need to deal with a lot of data. Uh, and basically it's a culture where data engineers and scientists uh, collaborate with DevOps to really build a faster, more reliable deep learning pipeline. And by that, building AI machines that go into the field and, and basically advance humanity. If you think about it, you know, why do we need autonomous cars, right? 40,000 people are dying every year in the US. And, yep. it's, and it's happening not because of faulty cars. It's happening oh. because people are driving it. And we have no doubt that when we, we go full autonomous, it might take 30 years from now, you know, we are going to take that out, right? And with solutions like radiology and AI doc and zebra medical, we will live longer because a simple test that you will do with any doctor would be able to predict that you should take care of yourself because in five years from now, you have 99% um, uh, um, um, confidence that you're going to die. So this is a kind of thing that would really take, I believe, humanity to the next level uh, of being super healthy, uh, being super safe, uh, unlike uh, uh, any time before. Absolutely. You know, Yossi, you hit on something, though, too, that I think is often sort of understood but not enunciated about AI and about automation and, and all of these kinds of things that, in my mind, fall under the broad umbrella of DevOps. And, and that is human error. In, yeah. in so many fields and in so many areas, whether it be development or medicine or, you know, name it, we, we, are, we are both limited by the constraint of humans. Yeah. And at the same time, look... Human, the human brain is a marvelous. You know, who could come up with ideas better than humans? But you know, in security, which is where I'm, you know, infosec, I spent 20 years there. It's it's the human element that more or more often than not is the is the reason for these big breaches that we see and everything, right? Yeah. Um, we are the world that we're creating. Is moving it is beginning to move at such a pace that we as humans just can't function at that pace, and and when we do, error, right? And and so, 
you know, I, I hate to say it, but this is going to be a huge disruptive thing, you know, for like my children and your children, you know, when they grow up and enter job force. Yeah. You know, what can they do that a machine can't do better, that AI can't do better? Or, you know, what, but there, but there, believe me, there will be things because humans will come up with creative ideas of how better they could use their time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, there's, and there's, a whole discussion, there's a whole discussion about what would happen if machines would take over the uh, human work. Uh, and it sounds a bit frightening for most because it's really hard to imagine. You imagine yourself without work and um, uh, it, it's alarming. Uh, but if we look at the, at the history, and we have really good data points about this, there's an amazing Planet Money ep- uh, episode about the invention of the um, uh, electronic sheets, right? Lotus one, two, three, and Excel, and and other people used to do accounting uh, with pay- pen and papers, right? And mm-hmm. when what happened is when the spreadsheet um, uh, came to be. A lot of people lost their job, but many more found new jobs in running and building spreadsheets. So yeah. I really believe that... So it's a net, net positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot more people will uh, find new jobs. I always tell my kids, you know, when I ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? It's a bit funny because their profession hasn't been invented yet. Exactly. Right? So it's going to be very, very, I, th- I believe, very, very exciting um, moving forward to see the kind of automation, the kind of, uh, you know, tasks that occupy our minds as human beings. And we're going to free our mind from dealing with all sorts of things like safety and security in the road. Like your mind is occupied on the road. You're not using your brain to do real work or think about something that you want to do, and instead you focus on the road. What if we free, like, hours of yeah. every human being, every productive human being on Earth, to do something more useful than driving cars? So uh, I think this so is... See, I don't want to burst your bubble on that, but interestingly, I was reading an article the other day about, you know, what will autonomous cars mean for humans? What will we do in our cars while we're being driven around? And far and away, the number one answer was have sex in cars. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if that's the best use of our time, but yeah, I know, think it's, it's an option. Yeah, I just saw a big acquisition uh, going on about how do you entertain people while driving, uh, while spending time in autonomous cars, and it's quite interesting. But we all have to understand that in order to get to that point where we're able to build faster AI machines, we need to automate most of the things that our engineers and data scientists spend time on. And this is, this is, uh, this is our mission, basically, to build the kind of a, a, a modular platform that anybody can use to take out all the grunt work out of the day-to-day workflow and actually automate those parts. So data scientists can focus on data science and engineers can focus on engineering and create that culture where the same way we have lazy developers, we'll now have lazy data scientists, but in a good way, in a more productive way, right? Absolutely.
Well, Yossi, I told you when we started that you're going to be surprised how fast the time goes. <laughs> We've already been on almost 25 minutes here, so um, we need to call a wrap on the, on this uh, de- episode of DevOps Chat. But maybe we can have you back on again. We'll be doing a lot around AI ops, as we're calling it, and in AI itself in the new year. Love to have you come back and, and talk more about this and you know, and get an update on what's going on with Missing Link and uh, and what we could do there. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to speak, you know, about DevOps for deep learning, uh, which we call DeepOps. We, mm-hmm. I just want to mention that we also start a series of meetups and discussions around the world about this topic. So, uh, and and we're, we're seeing the kind of reaction and uh, just putting a term behind what they do on a day-to-day basis really helps them shine out inside the organization. Uh, and I want to thank you for having me. I'll be happy to come back whenever you need me. Uh, and if you ever get to Tel Aviv, um, you know, call me. I've up. been there from time to time. I will. Awesome. Yossi Kuturi, uh, founder, CEO of MissingLink.ai, bringing a deep, deep ops. Is that the term we're using? Yes. It's deep learning operations. It's deep ops. Yes. Deep Ops to DevOps. Yossi, thanks for being our guest. This is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com. You've just listened to another DevOps chat. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.